Welcome to the Cyber Nation Uncensored Podcast. We welcome all Chumbas, Edge Runners, Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, Spice Traders, and Space Folders. Thanks for joining us. Please give us a great review and also be sure to join us on both YouTube and Twitch. We'd love to see you on a live stream. Thanks again. See you soon. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. forlorn dopes have started hello everyone and good evening i hope you're all well uh welcome to our little show i am your host cyber smiley i am your co-host uh wisdom zero 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 and uh yeah we've got a great show lined up for you guys today um yeah so uh right before we get into the whole uh spiel um just a quick note, I believe patch 2.0 for Cyberpunk 2077 is dropping today. Um, so if you are already playing it or already downloading it, good job. I know I still have a bit of time before I can get into it. Um, but to go on to our show, we are graciously uh, um, being... Uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, having a wonderful guest, we, we are we are we are being joined today by uh, Mike Jackson, yes, uh, Emmy Award-winning uh, filmmaker, Only and sadly, but uh, okay, Emmy-nominated filmmaker and uh, artist for Our Talsorian, as well as many other absolutely classic games. Um, we'll 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 be getting into that here in just a moment but moment but first we've got to update on some things um in 2020 news longtime webmaster uh, who had disappeared for a while dimiscule is is back he's got a let me see if i can find his address his new uh website address uh if you just type in dimiscule it'll, it should pop up but um yeah he posted a, a reddit post in the uh, cyberpunk 2020 uh, thread recently indeed so this will just take a moment i meant to have this queued up but i got excited when, when mike <laughs> joined the 
Discord for us. So, uh... Yeah. So here um... we go. His new site is at cyberpunk.clone01.net. Uh, so check it out. It's a fantastic site. Tons of stuff on there. Um, we're very glad to have him back in the community. Definitely. Um, a friend of the show and uh, Cyberpunk 2020 writer Ross Wynn. Ross, uh, I know you're going through some tragedy right now. Yep. I don't want to get into details and air your air, air your air your story, uh, but just just know that our hearts are with you. And uh, if you need anything that we can help with, pal, don't hesitate to reach out. Yep. Even though our hearts might be decentralized because we took that cyber option, but um, <laughs> we do we do uh, paysetter two thousand send our condolences. But uh, we'll move on. Um, Mike, welcome to the show, man. No, oh, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Um, oh, one thing that I, I yeah. neglected to ask beforehand. Uh, so we usually do about a two-hour show. Um, if you need to leave, cut out early, just let us know, and we'll kind of wrap it up, and um, we'll let you go. But just just to give you kind yeah, of a well, ballpark. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm, I am still recovering from COVID, so... Uh, I'll hang on as long as I can. I think I should be able to make it all the way through, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Awesome. Excellent. Well, uh, I mean, Mike, we, we've been looking forward to having you on for a while, so we're, we're very excited to have you here today. Uh, just as, you know, a brief recap um, for the audience at home, you worked on a... For our Talisorian games, you worked on Firestorm Shockwave, Listen Up, You Primitive Screwheads, Maximum Metal, Night City, uh, Pacific Rim, Solo of Fortune, Eurosource, and you did articles for uh, art for the uh, Challenge Magazine articles. Um, mm -hmm. In addition, uh, you worked for you you did illustration for BattleTech, Shadowrun, Traveler, Renegade Legion, Star Wars by West End Games, the the most definitive best star wars rpg they they put out and toward mm -hmm. you also That's uh did the yes <laughs> yeah we tried to do a little bit of re or i tried to do a little bit of uh research on uh what you've done and i was impressed to say the least when i started going <laughs> down that rabbit hole you also did storyboard and concept work for aeon flux reboot kim possible and others uh, you did a web co comic called Apartmageddon, and you have been the writer, director, uh, editor of several short films, and you're making your first feature-length movie right now, right? Yeah, yeah. My, uh, my, my day job for the last many years has been mostly as a film editor. Uh, I occasionally get to direct music videos and shorts and things, uh, but I mostly edit other people's films. But yeah, my first feature... Uh, a time travel comedy called Time Helmet. We're getting dangerously close to finishing. Awesome. Knock on wood. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I've done editing work myself. That is that is a that is a a tedious uh, not tedious, but it it is a time consuming job. That uh, but it makes 
makes the movie or project or whatever you're doing, like you bring it all together. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So before it's, we uh, uh... go ahead, finish your thought. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, so before we get fully into the whole interview, we have a questionnaire. We ask all our guests um, quick answers, quick questions. Uh, hopefully, uh, <laughs> we. I always say there's always, there's no wrong answers except one of the questions. But I think you know um, from your your credentials, it might be a a question that's debatable on whether it's uh, it, it, there's a right answer. <laughs> so. Uh, so first question. I'm scared. <laughs> so first question is 2020, 2045, or 2077? Oh, I enjoy 2020 and 2077. Never played the middle one. Okay. Uh, your favorite Excellent. cyberpunk role slash career? Solo. It was always solo. Okay. Uh, favorite piece of cyberware? Oh, oh man, it's been so many years. Uh, can it be from either uh, from the games or? Yeah, anywhere. It can be from anything. Or, or like from a uh, <laughs> Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. I've got to say, uh, I really enjoyed me the uh, Gorilla Arms. Yeah, nice. It's it's yeah. nothing fancy, but those were every time I got to rip open a door, it felt good. <laughs> Hitting somebody and watching them fly across the room. That's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, so first, very the first time I smacked someone hard like that, it was just a wonderful moment. Okay. <laughs> uh, favorite cyberpunk weapon? Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to go with 2077 because, in general, the or 2020, it's it was all just real world guns. Um, 2077, uh, Comrade's Hammer. Once I got that, I was like having a hard time in in all fights up until I got Comrades a really good roll on Comrades Hammer, um, or whatever. Not not the that's the legendary one, the non legendary version of it, whatever they call the bur, it. Yeah. But yeah, once I could start blow uh, popping heads through walls with that thing, it was a game changer. It's yeah. <laughs> it's a great way to relieve frustration. Uh, favorite Cyberpunk twenty twenty book. black no art <laughs> or almost no art the simple set of books in the box right oh oh wow okay uh least favorite I, uh, go ahead if you can finish that thought oh i was just gonna say it, it's it was a last gasp of cheap simple games for rpgs it's like after that every game started having like these big lush art books like uh, yeah like Shadowrun and, and Battletech did and stuff. But but yeah, it's like I really like just that that clean little elegance. And I got so much fun out of just playing that basic original version of the game. Yep. It was I just... mean, the, the 2013 box set is, you're right, it was, it was the peak of do-it-yourself, you know, publishing. Um And it's it's a great little time capsule to go back and recapture that that period of gaming where that kind of thing was allowed, where where it was, yeah, yep, totally, totally. Least favorite cyberpunk book? 
Uh, I can't answer because I have not kept up with all cyberpunk <laughs> materials. Um, I could say I am I'm least happy with uh, and forgive me because that title some of the titles escape me now because I did so much art for so many books. Whichever book it was where I had to do like 20 illustrations of vehicles. Tanks. Max Metal? Max Metal. Yeah. Um, I, but it's like I'm disappointed with myself because it was a tight deadline and I said I could do it and I ran out of time and so that's why it was all pencil scans. And you could do that today. Today you can reproduce pencil art beautifully uh in in books and comics they do it all the time but back then it just it it ended up looking so bad and so that's that's my least favorite cyberpunk book <laughs> okay. okay well we are definitely going to swing back to max metal um but that that is definitely that is an interesting answer i would not have expected that okay next, i am to please next question pan am uh judy or rogue Um, Judy. Okay. Uh, okay. Lucy, Rebecca, or Kiwi? This is from uh, Edge Runners. Oh. Okay. Which one was? Which one was the the tiny girl with Rebecca. the pigtails who got the giant robot Rebecca. arms? Yeah. Rebecca. There we go. Okay. Or as I call her, Rebaka, because she becomes Adam Smasher's shoes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Carrie River or Goru? Oh, Carrie is, of course, Carrie Uridine. River is the uh, cop. police cop. And uh, Goro oh. is, you know, the cool Arasaka assassin. I... I banged all of them in the in the game with my in one of my notes. Like, uh, they're, they're, yeah, they they none of them were keepers. Okay. All right. Um, David, who is the main character, Maine, who is his tutorial, and uh, Pillar, who is like the crazy tech from Edge Runners. From Edge Runners. Say that again. David Maine. David or Pillar, the main character. Mm-hmm. Maine, who was like the mentor, like leader of the of the little group, mm. and Pilar, who was like the techies, like the first one to die. Maine. Okay. There we go. Uh, favorite Night City gang. Huh. I don't really have favorites. They're all kind of irritating. <laughs> That makes sense. And and I'm honestly I'm blanking on the names of any of them from either the original game or the uh uh or twenty seventy seven. No worries. Uh favorite megacorp. Arasaka. There you go. Always hey, hey. Arasaka. Indeed. And this is a, a general question out of the genre. So what's your favorite cyberpunk movie? Huh. Well, the easy answer is Blade Runner because it <clears throat> it did it all and it did it all first. 
so much of what we imagine when we think of cyberpunk comes from that movie. Absolutely um, true. And it's it is a masterpiece for good reason. Uh, oddly enough, and I don't think a lot of people think of it that way. Um, and so few people saw it. Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. You know, that's a pretty underrated movie. I, I that's that's the first time we've had somebody uh, claim that to be their favorite cyberpunk movie, but it, that's perfectly valid in my eyes. It is. Uh, next question is favorite cyberpunk fictional character. Hmm. Molly Millions. Nice. There we go. Uh, Gibson, Dick, or uh, Stevenson? <laughs> That's a, a good trio. Um, so much to love from all three of them. Uh, Gibson stuff I found first. So I'll say Gibson. Plus I've managed to... Uh, he lives in the same city as me, so... Back uh, back in the '90s, he used to go go to science fiction conventions a lot. So I've had drinks with with Bill Gibson. Oh, uh, nice! Awesome. awesome. Um, Favorite cyberpunk novel? Hmm. Oh, I wish Nielsen. Uh, 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 God, I wish Neil Stevenson could stick the landing because half you know, that's, of Snow Crash. That's a perfect is, way to put that. Yeah. Half of Snow Crash is fantastic. Um, but uh, he's I like Stephen I'm... King and Mel Brooks. He just can't, he can't do endings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I'll just go with Neuromancer, to be honest. Okay. Like it really did. Again, it, it was the first and it, it just cracked open so much and then the final question it, it, it is indeed the book that opened the floodgates and the final question which is uh controversial uh is shadow run <laughs> cyberpunk well i can see why it's a controversial question because there isn't a clear answer it's cyberpunk with elves and magic and so it definitely has many of the trappings of cyberpunk and that's why i enjoyed doing shadowrun illustrations for the books um and the magical stuff's fun to draw but if it, yeah it all comes down to your personal definition of cyberpunk if what gives the deepest meaning to you of it is hardcore tech a hard science um this could all really work with the right technology uh realism gritty um yeah if that if if hard science is important for you um and Shadowrun sure isn't it um that's a, i think that's that's the a great best answer, answer I was, I've I, had. <laughs> I was, yeah yeah it really is um i always refer to Shadowrun and things like that as being cyberpunk adjacent rather than true cyberpunk. Uh, but that, that I think that probably sums it up better than anything I've ever said. Yeah, I, I view, um, I mainly view Shadowrun as kind of urban fantasy. 
um, more than it is cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, <coughs> and it, it's yeah, it, it's such a strange turducken of a of a game world that that, that they <laughs> built. With. So it is part of many genres and no, and no genres. It's cyberpunk and it's fantasy and it's uh yeah urban and yeah it's got a whole bunch of things all mixed in together it's kind of amazing yeah it's it's like if you read the books it's D with guns but if you look at the art it's cyberpunk with magic yep yep that's a good way to put it yeah so, so that's the questionnaire so mike and... what have you been up yeah now it's just uh yeah. getting into the interview man yeah so what have you been up to lately uh i mentioned that you're you're in filmmaking so can you give us some more detail on that uh yeah yeah basically i mean i illustration was kind of my first career and i basically did that through the 90s and uh it tapered off uh around the turn of the century uh the money was just not good it's really hard to make rent uh doing illustrations um and so i moved into video games um and i worked in the video game industry for a few years uh and then then slid into film uh and yeah started out doing storyboards for aeon flux uh and did concept art on reboot season three um which was a lot of fun uh and yeah i uh, over the years i've yeah i've i've edited a lot of documentaries a few features uh and uh and directed uh a whole lot of music videos and shorts and then yeah time helmet is uh is my first feature uh and hopefully it will get finished and out there soon uh it's being done on a ultra ultra low budget so uh when you don't have time uh when you don't have money it takes time yeah, I mean, I've been... yeah. no, I, I, I very much understand that. I used to when I lived in Kansas City, I, uh, I worked with like a zero budget film company called Trust in Us Productions. Uh, we made zero budget. I'm talking, we had nothing. But uh, it's a it's a time consuming process that is if you're not doing it out of love, you're not doing it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and some of the uh, <clears throat> visuals I've seen from uh, Time Helmet, it it looks like a decent uh, filmed movie compared to some of the low budget movies we I've seen, even recent ones. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks it, it it looks better than its budget would allow. So kudos on that. I cannot wait to see it. Awesome! Uh, thank you. That's uh, that is wonderful to hear uh because because yeah you have to cut a lot of corners and things uh, and uh so yeah so it's uh, we worked really hard had a huge incredible team behind me on it and uh and they all put in just all that extra the the extra effort it takes to just try to make things sing um yeah yeah, yeah so um how or when and how did you get in to become an illustrator for uh, tabletop RPGs in the beginning, back in the 90s. Oh, well, that actually even started at the end of the 80s. Um, <clears throat> the way back before the internet, uh, there weren't a lot 
lot of ways that fans of games communicated. Um, but I was really into, like, the first role-playing game I played was Dungeons & Dragons. Um, and then uh, I found Traveler, which I just totally fell in love with. Um, and back in my teens, I basically, I started a fanzine for Traveler. And I wrote little adventures and new pieces of equipment and lore. And I did all the illustrations myself. Um, and there were a whole bunch of us doing these, mailing our little fanzines back and forth. Um, and uh, kind of growing the community, the game community. Uh, and I did, I got successful enough with that crappy little fanzine um, that I got noticed by Digest Group, who had kind of taken over publishing Traveler stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and they gave me my first, uh, I sold my first article to them. I can't remember what it was, something about high-tech healing or something like that. And they, uh, they offered me the chance to do illustrations for stuff, which I jumped at and... Uh, once I started drawing all the time, I got a lot better fast. So it's kind of terrifying. Like the stuff that I was drawing at that at like 19 was so, so bad. I'm amazed they wanted to print it. Um, but within a year, I was so much better. And I was starting to do uh, stuff. For, and, and yeah, I think uh, it wasn't long after um, I... Uh, Hang on. I apologize. No problem. You're fine. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and I also, like, yeah, Traveler was the first role-playing game I fell in love with, but a few years later, Cyberpunk came out, and that just blew me away. That was, like, hands down, immediately, it was the greatest role-playing game I had ever played. It was everything I was looking for. I was so deep into Bill Gibson and stuff like that back then. Uh, and uh, the anime that you could get, like Akira, uh, that uh, was just starting to come over. Uh, anyway, long story short, so so I started working just on a game I already loved, and then I think I just sent some samples to Artelsorian Games. It was like, I want to work on Cyberpunk. There, I love that game, and they gave this teenager a shot, and I started drawing for them. Awesome. Yeah, I gotta tell you. I mean, uh, they didn't pay very much, so. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, uh, like, I, I've said it many times. Like, you, Chris Hockabout, and Benjamin Wright are my three favorite artists to ever work on uh, to ever work on the Cyberpunk franchise. And in fact, you gave me my 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 favorite piece of Cyberpunk art in the entire franchise and that is on uh just one second uh so i can look up the page number page 95 of the night city source book it's the it's the full page shot from above the city with the police av coming down mm. it's it is my favorite piece of cyberpunk art it, it encapsulates what i want my night city to look like um and I, I just love this piece of art. But what has always gotten me about this piece of art is if you look at it and then look at the source book, 
Like everything is in the proper place, and the buildings yeah. are in proper shape. Did did you do the art first, and then they wrote the source book around that, or was it the other way around? I think they gave me the map. Okay, like it it just always blew me away, and that's that's the thing about your art is it's always the three of you did the did something that up until that point I'd never actually seen done in in RPGs in that your art is consistent across the board if you draw an AV4 in this picture and then draw one in a later picture it looks the same it's the same <laughs> vehicle there might be minor like modifications like this one might have a gatling gun or this one might have missiles but it's the same vehicle and it's obvious that it's the same vehicle you can instantly recognize it Mm. Um, and that just, that amazed me as a kid. Plus it, it just comes across as being so, okay. What got me into cyberpunk, uh, the role-playing game was I was a huge fan of Appleseed and bubblegum crisis mm. and like these highly technical, uh, animes where, you know, the tech all looked real and you could feel it. Yeah, uh, and then I'd avoided role-playing games until you know a friend of mine at the Art Institute in Kansas City invited me to come see it or to come play with them, and just I immediately fell in love with the game. And your art just evoked every last bit of that love and that, uh, yeah. It, it it's it was it, it felt very much like anime on a page. Well, I, I did have, it's funny because that was so like these days, like every second young person draws like anime, but back then no one did that. No, uh, no I, one did. I didn't draw people anime. I, I, I dabbled with a little bit, but it, it didn't look right when I drew it. But yeah, I, the, <clears throat> when at university, a friend handed me uh, a copy of the first issue of Appleseed it changed my world. Uh, yeah. It just like, because that was the first time that I saw tech in, sci in a sci-fi comic that looked like it would work. And, and yeah. from that point on, I was like, I am always going to try to engineer the things that I draw. I want my machines to look that real. And, uh, and I, I really embrace that. So yeah, so I mean, you and I had the same inspirations basically. <laughs> Okay. Um, Did you purposely seek to do more uh, sci-fi genre type of art, or was it just companies were requesting it more from you than than they were looking for fantasy? I I think uh, I think doing stuff for Traveler and Art Telsorian might have been the only ones that I reached out to first that I cold called essentially, um, <clears throat> but um, I started getting better. Uh, my art improved so fast over the course of like two years. Uh, and I think after like my second or third Talsorian book, maybe, uh, then someone called me from FASA uh, and uh, try, wanted to try me out on Renegade Legion. Uh, and, I, and, and yeah, someone, people always called me, West End Games called me. Uh, as an aside, I, I do love that... Uh, I am the person who drew an Ewok X-Wing pilot that has since become canon. Uh, <laughs> and that George Lucas has that drawing in a box somewhere at the ranch. Really? 
I, I was I was looking at that ca- caption on your uh, Deviant page today, and I was like, that's pretty cool. I actually meant to bring that up, but you beat me to it. <laughs> oh, so, sorry. So he has an original piece of art from you? Well, he got all the art. Oh. All the all the finished art for it's the, every other company gave you back your art. You you'd ship it to them, they'd scan it and send it back. Um, <clears throat> but obvious stuff we don't need to worry about today. But we're talking the nineties. Um, but uh, but yeah, West End Games kept the originals, and they all went to Lucas uh, afterwards. Wow, that's that's kind of cool in and of itself. I can I can see George doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so those drawings are moldering away in the uh, Indiana Jones warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's in a very safe place, guarded by but, top, uh, but... Men. <laughs> top, top men. Top men. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, yeah. So to to go back to to your question originally, like yeah, I I started getting called by by other companies, and and that's generally how it tended to work from then on. Um, but it's. I've always felt a little sad that because uh, I, by the time I was doing Shadowrun stuff, my art kind of uh, hit its peak. Uh, I really got my stuff together, and it was like the best looking art that I had ever done. Um, and I'm sad that I never really got a chance to go back and bring that quality of art to Cyberpunk. Did you did you ever face any blowback for working both on Cyberpunk and Shadowrun, being that they were not like so highly competitive? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. Well, that's every, cool. every cuz everyone who was working in the game industry, I mean, no one was really making any money. Everyone was doing it out of love. It wasn't a business so much. Um Yeah. <clears throat> so, so yeah, no everybody was very supportive. Uh, that's why you see so many artists on multiple games from multiple companies. Yeah, and and looking at your your Shadowrun illustrations, I mean, the majority of them seems like they could have been used for Cyberpunk. There wasn't a lot of I, the fantasy I elements. Did yeah, I did tend to. I leaned into the tech. Um, I liked the fashion, the weird, um, like semi. Native American cyber like the shamanistic stuff. Yeah, that 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 particularly uh, Jeff Laubenstein was doing uh, for Shadowrun. That stuff was really cool, and I tried to in- incorporate a lot of that uh, in my drawings. That's that's very cool. I mean, I've I've long held that. Uh, like I I've never I I don't like the Shadowrun system or setting. But I fucking love the art. Like it just they were great looking books. <laughs> they really, really were. Uh, but good God, don't throw a grenade in that game system. No, <laughs> no. And bring lots of dice, Jesus. Oh man, now, that was part of what I, I really loved about uh, the original Cyberpunk. It was a simple, elegant system, uh, and deadly. And, yeah, it and it made you play differently. Uh, I really liked how it was like it was really hard to hit someone, but if you did hit them, they were going down. Yeah, it created an, an entire. Uh, it created a sense of drama that, to this day, I there are only a handful of other games that that create drama 
from danger on the same level. Yeah. Like in D and D, you can you can't like hold a knife on someone and be considered a threat. You just can't. Like one stab isn't going to do something. Yeah. Um, whereas in Cyberpunk, it doesn't matter how how powerful you are, how many battles you won. You know, you can still get taken out by a twelve year old with a twenty two. Yep. Yep. And yeah, and if you set up your game right, uh, then like your players are going to be nervous when they enter in a room and have to really count heads. It's like, can we take all these guys down? Can we exactly. do it without us getting whacked? I don't know. So <laughs> are, are you still gaming today or has that kind of like been yes. put off? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't... That's fucking awesome. I haven't done much. I mean, I, I play video game RPGs uh, and, and tabletop stuff. I haven't done much since COVID. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, almost everything that I do now is stuff where basically people just kind of build their own rule systems for them to build a very specific campaign to tell a specific story. Uh, these very, very artisanal sorts of games, uh, which are fantastic with the right group of people. Uh, I think, uh, I do, uh, I don't know, you probably have not heard of of them but one other game that i have played recently i'm going to plug this uh, i don't know when he's going to finally release it uh, but my friend torin atkinson who is the lead singer of the darkest of the hillside thickets uh amongst other things has an rpg called ruin nation that is hopefully going to come out one day soon and i did a lot of play testing on that and that was super fun it's kind of an updated modern version of gamma world oh okay. Ooh. Sounds interesting. That's that's exciting. Um, yeah, I will definitely have to check that out when it when it when it releases. I hadn't heard of it yet, but that I liked Gamma World. So, oh, there you go. Well, I'm spreading the word, possibly too far in advance. I don't know. He's been working on it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you do any uh like online type gaming? Uh, not really. I mean, uh, not unless Fallout 76 counts. <laughs> uh, no, uh, when COVID hit, uh, I definitely, I, I turned more to like running games online um, mm. because meeting in groups just wasn't safe anymore. We had several yeah. immunocompromised people in the family. Mm. Uh, yeah, I did a I still, little bit of that, but, yeah. uh, but not too much. I am hoping... Uh, now that I finally got, like, this is the first time I got COVID. I managed to get through three and a half years uh, clean. But uh, now that I've had it and multiple vaccinations, I feel a little safer uh, just having having actual in-person gaming now. So we'll see if see if that pans out. Okay. Yeah, well, good luck to all of us. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> know what I was sick with last week, but I would. I went to a Tenacious D concert and it rained us out and I was I was sick as a dog all week. I don't know if it was just because I caught a cold or if it was something deeper, but I didn't start feeling well again until Saturday. Yikes. Well, at least you did it for a good band. Yeah, no, I I, I mean, I, I, I was conscious or not conscious enough, but I was aware enough of what was going on for them to play uh, Tribute and Wonder Boy. And then they started doing stuff off the new album, which, you know, as bad a fan as it makes me, I, I just wasn't as into. Mm. Uh, 
So the only song that I didn't get to hear that I really wanted to was Fucker Gently. And they played that just as we were walking away, like mm. trying to get to the car. Oh. But it was a great show. Just really, really wet, like torrential downpour. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, just as a side question, do you ever see the movie uh, Office Space? Yep. It's been a lot of years, though. Okay. I don't remember it well. Can, can, <laughs> can you relate to Michael Bolton with Michael Jackson? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> I told a couple of my friends that I was interviewing Mike Jackson, and they're like, Are, "Did you dig him up? What the hell?" <laughs> yep. Yeah, and when I was doing some research, I, I would imagine that joke gets old after like twenty years ago. Yeah, and when, uh, I, when oh. I was trying to Google you, there's also a, a Mike Jackson from uh, England who's a, a watercolor artist, so. It was kind of hard to put in like artist Mike Jackson, it's a and it's like really <laughs> common name is the yeah. problem. Jackson is common. Michael is really common. Um, I think there's like, it's like even when I was like a teenager, there were like twenty other, there were twenty Michael Jacksons in the phone book, and a whole bunch of M Jacksons just for my city. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> I know that uh, like 10, 15 years ago. I discovered you. I found you on Deviant Art and was blown away by that. We had some brief conversations, uh, but I hadn't talked to you in a while. So when I was trying to track you down for the interview, like, wow, you haven't posted on Deviant Art in like ten years, and followed you. I, I, I followed you to like three different sites, and each one was like, oh, I can't find him. Um, so yeah, you were kind of hard to track down, buddy. I'm sorry. Oh, I. Uh... Uh, how did you find me in the end? <laughs> you know, I, I I'd like to say I I, I want to say it was uh it was through steam powered films, um, but I I looked at your email address on that and it's not it's not the same email address that I finally got a hold of you through. So I'm not I don't quite remember how I tracked you down, but I sure am glad I did. Yeah. <laughs> and just for our audience, um, you can find uh, Mike's galleries over on DeviantArt. He's uh, steam-powered Mike J. And also you have yeah. steampower.com or steampoweredfilms.com. Yeah. And you also have your... Um, Where you can see his most current projects. Yeah, and yeah, though, though both of the websites are way out of date. Yeah. But yeah, no, DeviantArt, I... It's it's tough because I I tried so hard when I first got my gallery up there to like check in every couple of days and to answer every question that everybody asked, but at a certain point I just it it started slipping and and yeah and then yeah. now I can suddenly turn around and realize oh wow I think it's been a year since I've even checked my messages there. <laughs> that's that's how I am. Like I used to check it all the time. And now i just I, I like once a year like i'll just get on out of curiosity to see what's happening um because it's become overwhelming like there's just so much stuff on there and i was never really much of an artist myself it was just you know my personal game illustrations and uh things like that just but uh i was able to like get a hold of you and a couple of other like uh artists through that so yeah 
Um, you guys should definitely check out his gallery on DeviantArt. It's, it is a time capsule into the days of black and white illustration in RPG books, which to me were the, were, were the best days. Well, he Don't also get me wrong. Did... I love the color art we're seeing yeah. now, but like that was the tits back then. But, but even it, in the nineties, also... sorry, but even in the nineties with the BattleTech art, you have had a lot of, um, colored illustrations that you did for Tvasa. That's true as well. Yeah, those were that was kind of some of the last stuff that I really did as as a regular game illustrator, doing like the one painted cover from uh, Maximum Tech for BattleTech, um, and yeah, a couple other little bits. It's it was very time consuming, and I think my paintings turned out okay, but they were never quite as good as. Like my best black and white drawings always seemed better than my my best paintings. I I would have to disagree. <laughs> I mean, some of your your oh. paintings are just amazing. Um, and it all no no offense, but it almost seems like it was done by a different artist. Um, just because I think the line drawings you had this one kind of uh, style, and I think with your paintings you had a little bit of that style, but it was definitely something that was different um and just yeah well it was a very different process um because i i can't handle a brush to save my life and back in the day uh i like photoshop was all we had but painting in photoshop was not like it is now it was stone age it was it was a terrible terrible tool um (laughs) So all of those paintings started out as as shaded pencil sketches. And then I scan in the and I do all the shading in black and white and I'd scan that in but you could see all the pencil lines. So I would literally go in, I'd color it, I'd lay color over it and then use the smudge tool to just wiggle over every little every tiny bit of the picture and it made it look kind of like it was painted it looked like brush strokes instead of pencil oh so all those colored illustrations are actually photoshop created not they're all photoshop well pencil scans and then photoshop Uh, but yeah but it was such a slow slow process going through something and like just the smudging smudge 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 oh god and yeah, I'm sure you were like looking at the time being like, yeah, I'm not going to make any money on this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but that was always kind of, I mean, the the sad problem was like you could only afford to do game art part time because uh, you loved it. Because right. there just was never going to be the money to uh, actually like, you know, live. Yeah. And uh, going on to the the illustrations and game books, um, it seemed like there's a lot of them that, like compared to today, a lot of the art was never really credited to specific artists. So you you know you had your name at the beginning of the books underneath the credits, but to associate which image was yours versus an other artist that was in the books, because some of your some of you guys just had very close uh, art, right? styles and, and and line drawings so it, it was hard to figure out which ones were yours which ones were 
Um, not well. There's almost always a little MJ uh, on on mine. It's pretty. It was pretty rare for me to do it. Sometimes it originally it was in a circle. Yep. Uh, I think that's how it was while I was doing those. It eventually changed into a little graphic that I did, uh, a little kind of rectangular shape that's on my later stuff. But yeah, because of of that, I always did sign. I always did initial my drawings. Uh, so you could spot them. That said, um, West End Games on the Star Wars books were the only company to ever crop out my signature. Ooh. Really? <laughs> yeah, because I was looking That's, at some uh... of the, the, even the Artalsorian books, I, I would always look for your little uh, initials, but on some pieces, like especially like the Night City book, right? So the Night City book <clears throat> is you and Huckabout, right? And Huckabout, his style is definitely uh, different than yours. Um, so you can mm -hmm. definitely see which one, who, which ones are yours and which one are his. Um, and oftentimes I saw some that were, I knew were yours that didn't have that MJ. Um, and there's see, one for me. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. I was going to say for me, uh, because things like the uh, that Night City source book image I was talking about earlier and some of your other large page illustrations that were really busy like that. Uh, I had to basically cross reference one book to another and like, like, like eliminate artists who, who did this piece? Oh, wow. Like, Oh, okay. Well, this looks like this piece from this book. So who are the same artists? And it was, it was kind of exhausting trying to figure out oh, in the early man. days who did what. Um, yeah, so when I actually found your site, found your work on DeviantArt, I was like, I was right. I knew it was this guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you, you and uh, and 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 Benjamin Wright, uh, especially, like, seem to come from this, uh, from a very similar style of, like he said, uh, similar style of art. Like Benjamin was doing the. Uh, the full conversion artwork in Chrome too. And you were doing all the power armor in maximum metal. And uh, it just, you guys' work was so fantastic. Like you really came from that apple seed bubblegum crisis, like Adam Warren's dirty pair. Like mm -hmm. it, it felt like that. That is such an underrated comic, by the way. Oh my God, it is. That, like, that it was... is... Oh. To this day, I consider him the only true Western manga artist, at least yeah. of that time. And um, you know, I would say uh, certainly, I, I, I think his I, I think his run of Dirty Pair was probably the best cyberpunk comic that was done uh, for a long, long time. One hundred percent agreed. Like, yeah. The in fact. His Dirty Pair and Jeff Darrow and Frank Miller's Hard Boiled are my two number one cyberpunk comics, Western cyberpunk comics mm. of the 90s. Nice. Um, and Transmetropolitan by Warren Ellis, because that's just the best book ever of course. written. Of course. Um, but yeah, the, uh, Jeff Darrow's art was a real influence on me. That's he. I loved how clean his stuff was. And while oh, I was Lord. illustrating for cyberpunk, that's that where... That was why I didn't use shading. That's why I was doing these clean lines with no shading work. Um, 
in the end, I finally found a, a style of shading that worked for me, which was what I was doing when I was doing Shadowrun. But, uh, but yeah, Jeff Darrow was a huge influence on me as an artist growing up. Dude, um, that guy is the most ADD. Like, I don't know how each piece doesn't drive him insane. And I've met the guy, and he's just this normal little Frenchman. And I just yeah. look at him in awe. Like, how do you... He does like full comics full of art that, you know, would take other people like a year to do a single panel. And I'm just like, Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. Yeah. And, no, uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah I can see in your art that, that, uh, that he is an influence because you get those little bitty details that other, other people wouldn't even bother with. Well, it was, it was a, a full blown world for me like i wasn't just popping off drawings to fill space in a book these were games that i played these were worlds that i loved and i wanted to play in and build up and explore and uh and yeah that's that's what that's what i loved about it i mean all that truly comes through and i'll say this you more than any of the other artists that worked on the game brought that world to life with these giant like vistas that you yeah. created uh, like my like uh, the shot of the nomad at the first page of of the night city source book just walking down the empty highway trash blowing all around him the skyscrapers off in the distance like you or the or the shot of you know the riot going on um like that made those images made the world come alive. The shot in the shopping mall. Oh Lord. Oh God. Um Oh man. Yeah, and I found Bryros and Dunin, by the way. So Ah, there you go. Huh. Yeah, I was always sliding little little references, little Easter eggs into my drawings. Again, it was that kind of shit that made me fall in love with the game. Um, because it, it just it hit me on that visceral like this is my jam level like, mm -hmm. to the point where, you know, that's all I did for like 20 years was work on data fortress 2020 and run cyberpunk games. I mean, it used to be, I wouldn't run anything but cyberpunk. Oh, wow. <clears throat> um, yeah, no. You, and, and your art was a, just a humongous part of that and why I fell in love with the, with the game. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so can you tell us a, a little bit about how you got into doing storyboards for Eon Flux and Reboot? Which, by the way, to the audience, those are two very cyberpunk cartoons. You need to see them. I um, mean, Jesus Christ, Eon Flux was like a lot of people's first introduction into what cyberpunk actually was in the, in the 90s because they hadn't seen anything like that. It, it, like anime wasn't mainstream yet. And MTV's liquid television was, it was the jam. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, what Peter Chung created with that show was just mind-blowing. Um, I was working at a video game company at the time. Uh, and they were trying to branch out into wider media. They, they seemed to think that they could do more than just video games. And... One of the people who ran the video game company was friends with someone who ran an animation studio in town. I finished up the project that I had been working on shipped 
uh, and they didn't have any work for me for a few months. Uh, so this guy was like, well, if he can do storyboards, bring him over, bring him over to me. So they loaned me out to this other, other company for a few months. And yeah, I got to do storyboards on two episodes of uh, the Ion Flux series. Uh, and some, some other show that I can't even remember what it was. Um, yeah. And then years later, uh, a friend of mine ended up being, becoming the, uh, assistant to the producer on reboot. And, uh, they were looking for a new production designer and she knew my art. Uh, so, uh, they brought me in and I did, did a ton of drawing for, uh, season three and uh the imax ride film which i suspect i think maybe you can find online now but uh wasn't really a thing that existed for very long i mean reboot is is such an underrated series it was it was so far ahead of its time when it came out but if you look at it now like it, it blends in with whatever's going on but back then man it was just so far ahead of what was happening mm-hmm Oh, absolutely. You also did work on Kim Possible? Um, <clears throat> that's actually just visual effects on the recent Disney movie of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, one of my friends is uh, a, a director. I've, I've cut some of his films and done a lot of uh, visual effects uh, for him. Uh, but, uh, awesome. Yeah. Zach Leposky and, uh, uh, and Adam... Uh, oh my god, why am I blanking on his last name? That's embarrassing. Because that's how it happens when you get pressed. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, anyway, Zach, Zach's a good friend. I, I do bits and pieces on lots of his projects when uh, when there's something right for me. And But, and uh, but yeah. I, was... I, I guess, yeah, I saw a lot of credits for you from a visual effects um, artist. Uh, and that's when you kind of made the transition back in the early 2000s, I assume? Yeah, visual effects came a little later, oddly enough. It's like I I taught myself to edit um, to make my own films, and pretty quickly after that started, turned out I was good enough at it that I started editing for other people. Um, and that turned into a, uh, into a career. Um, and uh, I also started learn taught myself visual effects so I could do visual effects for my own things. And after a while, friends started like Zach called me. I was like, I, you, you could do visual effects. We don't need some big house in L.A. that's going to cost a million dollars. You could just do the visual effects for this. And uh, and I ended up doing like, yeah, huge amounts of visual effects stuff for uh, a Disney uh uh, Disney, uh, no, pardon me, uh, kids TV show called Mech X4 that Zach was uh, one of the showrunners on. Um, and uh, and yeah, since then, it's funny, it's kind of been back and forth. Some years I make more money doing visual effects, some years I make more money editing. Yeah. This has been an editing year. Last year was a visual effects year. Dude, I saw Mech X4. That was, that was really cool. Oh, wow. Almost every time his eyes do the weird flashy effect to control technology, that was me. <laughs> that's that's fucking awesome. Now I can pinpoint that. Yeah. 
We have a, a question from the chat uh, from P.W. Binde. Um, he asks, if, as you consider getting a Discord, so that way, you know, fans can reach out to you and you can answer fans uh, directly. Not sure if you want to. Just a thought, um, I think, was a, his thing or a suggestion, as it were. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Discord, and I've basically only I used it for for one role playing game, and for uh, two interviews like this. Um, but other than that, I don't really, I don't really know the program. Right. Um, I'm generally not a huge social media guy. Um, I, I'm I'm on Facebook, and uh, I don't hide who I am there. Um, I'm pretty easy to find, uh, and I suppose I do need to actually start making an effort to visit my Deviant Art page. Uh, for a couple of years there, that was probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. <coughs> Got it. Did you ever uh, game with any of the Artesorian crew? Like either I were went to a con or um, just hang sadly out no i never met any of them in person i never met anybody in person that i worked with in the game industry really over the course of like uh, 12 years of, of game illustrations or whatever it was because we're all <clears throat> we were all in different cities right um and i i never went to gen con uh looking back i don't know why um but uh but yeah i had phone conversations and that was actually that was literally all the communication um no one had email or rather very few people were using email when yep. when i started illustrating so it was phone calls that was it yeah back in the 90s we you barely you, uh... had emails and then you had what icq i think was another way in which you could talk to people <laughs> icq <laughs> Yeah. Five seven three zero two zero two. That's that's my ICQ number. I still remember that. I don't remember my phone numbers, but I remember that shit. Nice. But yeah, but it was so hard to to have community back then. It wasn't like like now. Like I have somewhere. I've got a box of fan letters from the late eighties through the the nineties. Because um, yeah, that was the that was the only way people would contact you uh it was the only way they could so earlier you mentioned that you were disappointed with your art in maximum metal which just blows my mind because it was so fucking it was so good like it everything you drew looked like it would work like it was i mean you even went back and redid the av9 from chromebook one uh which i always thought was no offense to that artist, like his brushwork is is really cool, but it it just wasn't it wasn't right for tech. Mm. And your AB nine is amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm glad you like them. I mean, I <clears throat> I just I I looked at that book and all of that collection, and I can tell that I was rushed. Uh, I feel like a lot of the drawings weren't didn't feel very inspired uh some of them were uh some of them came did come together really nicely but it really i was just like i i got super busy with i think i was still at university 
Um, and kept pushing it off and pushing it off. And suddenly my deadline was a week away and I had like 15 or 20 drawings to do. And <laughs> it shows, it shows. And those drawings would look so much better inked. And there was just no time for it. Um, and it was my own fault. It was my own stupid, stupid mistake and bad planning. <clears throat> but, but yeah, if I had been able to put the time into it that it deserved, uh, they, I think more of the drawings would have been more interesting and more of the designs would have been more interesting and they all would have been nice and inked. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you say that, but it's just, it, it's like the powered armor designs are so fucking gorgeous. Uh, I don't think I did the power to armor designs. Oh, uh, well, then in that case, my apologies. I, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it looks whoever did them, but they are great designs. I, I think that was um, know, the the thing is you know there was three interior artists for that supplement, and you know it was you, uh, Malcolm Hugh, and Gary Washington. Again, they're looking at like even the the front page with the battle scene of like all the AVs, the helicopters, the tanks, the ACPEAs, um, and just these explosions going off, kind of reminiscent of your work. But I also see like some details that make me question: Is it Mike or is yeah, it that, that's, other artists? That's that's not mine. No. Yeah. But I definitely. Yeah. For, I mean. It, it, it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> for for someone <laughs> unschooled and and you know doesn't have an eye for like the minor details that you know oh I can see you know your line work does it a certain way versus someone else's line work it's similar but yeah you can see the different line work and I think people who who don't have that eye will often get confused and I think that's why I asked the question of like you know. <clears throat> again the the artists not always attributing themselves or never putting their signature on their piece of art um mm. really got some confusion yeah. on okay who's this you know i, I think it's him i mean but i don't know because of your other like big vista scenes like that for 30 years i was sure that big battle scene uh was you i i guess i i guess that's michael he I don't know. I, but, I guess you have the wrong guest. Uh, I'll show myself. No, no, I do not have the wrong guest. I just had been in my head misattributing the art, and that's that, that, it's happened to me but before. I, think, I Mike, with I, you uh, saying I that thought, it's pen or pencil work that you've done, that I can see yeah. now the differences between pen, the pencil work that was done in this book versus the the line work and the and the pen work that other the other two artists might have done. Yeah. Uh, now that you're pointing it out, I can see it, but it still just looks fantastic to me. <laughs> well, I'm glad you like it. Um, um, so It's funny, you mentioned Challenge Magazine earlier, because uh, I think I did some of my best cyberpunk drawings for Challenge Magazine. I will agree with that, and it, 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 it hurts my heart that most people didn't get to see that, because challenge magazine wasn't widely distributed like i didn't find out that they did cyberpunk articles until well after like challenge magazine was dead oh wow uh, 
And to see some of the art pieces that you created for that magazine and know that that's the only place that they ever appeared, it just breaks my heart that most people don't get to see that. Well, they are on in my art gallery on DeviantArt. They are. They are. So everybody should go check that out because it's definitely worth it. And it has a rendition of the bozos, which a lot of people do love. Yeah, doing bozo shit. <laughs> that that drawing was a lot of fun. Um, so um, how many... I also like the the one where the team is. Uh, I think you call it Aloha. Yeah, where the team is has just disembarked from the AV, and oh, it's just it's just fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's something that I would love to have as a poster in my room. Oh, thank you. That's actually one of the few pieces I don't still own. Uh, years ago now, God, it's probably like 15 years, 20 years maybe, a fan reached out wanting to buy it to put on the wall of his gaming club. So I sold him the original and shipped it across the country. Oh, man. I mean, have you thought about it making is beautiful. Uh, prints of any of these and, and posting them on your website? Um, I've thought about it, um, the, and I should probably look at it again. I've been totally consumed with working on my feature <laughs> for the last several years, and it hasn't left a lot of, between that and day jobs, it hasn't left a lot of time for that. But I should look into it again, and what I do, I have a almost complete art book. Uh, oh, that I mean, and it's just like vanity prints, uh, press, uh, print on demand kind of thing. But I, just before COVID, I spent a lot of time and I, I put together an art book uh, of everything I'd done up until that point, um, and with lots of lots of the art and talking about the art and things like that. And it is still my intention to put that out. Uh, not that certainly won't be this year, um, but that is something I want to do. I want to update what I put together with uh, some more recent art that I've done. Um, oh, Lord, I most definitely want a copy of this. <laughs> All right. So, so and I would definitely, two buyers. I don't know if I could afford them, but I definitely would want prints uh, of your of several of your pieces. Oh, wow. Well, we should uh, continue this conversation uh, electronically afterwards. Absolutely. Uh, but uh but yeah, but certainly it is it is my intention. I have a book basically written, put together. Uh, it just needs to I would need to finish it and throw get a proof to make sure it actually prints correctly and then it can be available on demand in theory. Yeah, just an oh, yes. FYI, um I kind of have a, a film strip playing in our Twitch channel right now of the various pieces you've done from Battletech, uh, Shadowrun, Torg, all the illustrations you've done over the years. Um, not all of them are there, but a good, a good sampling of your work. So our audience has the ability to see some of the pieces that you've worked on. Um, so speaking of your pieces, which one do you, do, are you most proud of? Oh, cool. Do you have like huh. one that you love the most or is it I, all I, your children and you don't have I a favorite? I do have a couple of favorites. I do I do have a, a, a few favorites. 
they're which are on my wall right now. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, they're not from Cyberpunk because um, my my art got so much better uh, after my early Cyberpunk books. But there's a BattleTech drawing that I did uh, of a female mech pilot uh, shivering in the snow with yeah. a, a smashed Marauder behind her. Yes. Ooh, that is a good one. That, that's one of my, my all-time favorites. Um, I did a, uh, a couple of wild uh, cyberspace drawings for Shadowrun that, that turned out particularly well. Um, a uh, actually, and now I'm blanking. You mentioned uh, it, the most recent game company that I did stuff for, but it's still a long ways, a long time ago now. Um, Torque. Yeah. Oh no, no. There was something that the Jeff Laubenstein had moved on to be the art director, or sorry, not him, Jim Nelson, who was the art director at, at on at FASA was working at another game company in the early aughts. Oh, was that and, the XP uh, or something like that? Uh, no, something else. And I can't remember the, the name. Um, I'd have to go look in my, my bookshelves because the publishers always send me copies of the books. Anyway, I did some just straight-up pencil, fully shaded, because by then you could actually reproduce them properly in a book. And I did a whole bunch of fantasy illustrations uh that were full pencil and a couple of those turned out super nice um the the harp i'm your elf maiden maiden harp that was that was it okay um but oddly enough my favorite most recent favorite one isn't online yet uh because the project uh has never officially been announced or released uh but i did a flying uh, robot space city, just a big drawing of this 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 weird retro sci-fi flying city. Um, uh, I did that last year. Uh, huge drawing in Photoshop, full color. Uh, took like a week, uh, and that turned out great. And I look forward to the day when I can actually release it online because I think it, that's definitely some of my best. Nice. Um, yeah, there, there's uh, one piece I those saw. Those are all here. fantastic pieces. I can't wait to see the one you're talking about now. Yeah, there's one piece um, called Choppers uh, from Shadowrun that I, I've never seen before, but it's basically an image of, uh, I, I don't know what they were called in Shadowrun, but an edge runner jumping out of a helicopter with a katana attacking like these people who are out on a, a balcony sunning. Mm. Um, it just Yeah, that's such a good piece. I, I, oh, thank you. I've actually had a uh, game in which something very similar uh, took place. However, it was the reverse in which uh, one of the solo characters was jumping up at an AV and jumping in through the door with a katana. Um, ah, nice. <laughs> I, I think well, I think my favorite of your Shadowrun pieces is Car Chase. Oh. Like there's yeah. so much going on in that one, and it's so dynamic. Like, that one came together really, really well. Uh, yeah, like it's, it's very happy it's, with that. It's straight like, like I want to read the rest of that story. I want to see that illustrated. I want to see, I want to see a comic book with that, that scene in it. 
Well, and that's, that's what I always tried to do. And I know that that's something that set me apart from a lot of the other artists at the time. So many, they just kind of draw someone posing or a couple of yeah. people posing or whatever. But I always tried to build a scenario and, and have, this is a, a snapshot of a moment in the middle of something bigger. Yep. And, and I always, yeah, I tried, tried to make them rich with story. Um, yeah. I was going like, to say, is, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say about regarding choppers. Um, that is one of the, there was a tiny, a little stretch of time when I was trying. Uh, I don't know if you're looking at the, at it right now, but you may notice the cross hatching is different. The, mm -hmm. my shading. And, and I, I did a brief bit of experimenting with something called duo shade paper. Um, where you would basically, you draw on it like normal, uh, but to create the shading, there were these two different chemicals that you would paint on it. And if you painted on with one of them, it only brought out one set of lines. And if you painted with the other, it brought out both sets of lines. Oh, interesting. Ooh. And it looked so cool when it was finished. It was like, yeah, at the time it was like, man, this is, this is the best thing I've ever done. And... It didn't reproduce well in the book. It's it's muddy uh, in the actual book. It's a little hard to read. And over the years, turns out that that, uh, that duo shade paper is garbage. And it all turned yellow. And the faint lines are almost gone. They've totally disappeared and faded out. Um, so it just looks, the original just looks like garbage now. Uh, so the version that's on Deviant Art, um, I had to scan my original twice with different methodologies and mix it with the a scan of the print from the book. And between the three, I was able to, and a lot of Photoshop work, I was able to clean it up and make it look like it looks online now but uh but man it was it was heartbreaking to open up the drawer and discover that the drawing just looks like garbage now yeah i, I can imagine but still what a what a great image um i i feel bad for the hardships that you have endured with it but i mean oh. that's that's the price of art. If it were easy, everybody would do it. True enough. True enough. So you took a, a stab at um, web comics with a, a part Mugeddon. Yeah. Um, you ever think of going back to that, or you, you kind of moved on to bigger and better things? Um, I I've mostly moved on. I'd in theory I'd like to finish it, but if I'm being realistic, I'm I don't know if I ever will. Um, it was based on a uh, a short film script that I wrote um, that was too expensive to film. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if it will... I don't know if I'll ever get some version of that story out or not. Um, comics were tough for me. And, and when, before we, we went, went on air, uh, as it were... We, were, we talked a little bit about comics because that's been a weird thing in my life. Because I, when I was a kid, 
being a comic book artist was all I ever wanted in the world. That was my dream. I was going to be a comic book artist. And I worked and I drew every day and worked hard at it. And I drew my own comics and I steadily got better and better. And I was even still trying while I was doing my earliest illustrations for Cyberpunk. Um, and I'd sent sample pages to Marvel and DC uh, and Dark Horse, I think. And DC actually got back to me saying, uh, all right, you didn't draw any superheroes. You only drew like this cyber stuff. Yeah. Um, can you, uh, here's, here's a script page, draw us a comic page. And I hated it. And the page turned out mediocre and it took me a long time. And I was like, okay, superhero comics, I definitely won't do, but I still, I can do sci, there are sci-fi comics now. I can be a sci-fi comic guy. I'll write them and draw them. It's going to be amazing. And that same video game company I was working at that wanted to branch out into other media, um, they, one of them was comics. So they gave me, I'd come up with a game concept. So they had one team that was working on the game and it never, never came to fruition. Um, and I was working, making the comic for it. And I discovered that I, it's just not in me. Um, I'm slow. And you have to be able to do a page a day if you want to make rent. Yep. And my fastest speed putting out mediocre work, because I'm drawing too fast, was a page every two days. Uh, and I also always struggled with it. And I guess the problem is, the nice thing with role-playing game art was you never had to draw the same person twice. That's true. But in comics you do. You have to draw that same face again and again and again, and it has to look like the same person every time, every angle. And I sucked at that. Well, so. I mean, for the record, I would have bought anything you put out. That's, <laughs> I mean, no, no shame, no, no, no hesitation. Anything you put out, I would have bought. I would uh -huh. think that um, storyboards would even be. Well, granted, storyboards aren't necessarily as detailed as comics, but the, the you still need to generate it, a lot, right, in a, in a short period of time. Yes, yes, and that's why I don't do storyboard art. I occasionally <laughs> do storyboards, but I don't do it often because uh, even at yeah at the the super rough speed uh, quality you can get away with, it's still slow, and I get bored to tears um and and it takes forever or feels like it takes forever um one of the the odd things about my art and i don't know if this would have changed if i'd illustrate if i'd stuck with illustrating longer um because i basically i i was drawing all day uh most days for like 15 years uh when all said and done um but it was always hard um and it always took time. I'd have to use a lot of references from people. My, my art really... Everything I drew for Cyberpunk never had references. Almost everything I did for Cyberpunk, I was having people pose for me so I could double-check things like, oh, how do the folds in the fabric go? Mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. How, how does the arm move? Um, yeah. And you don't have time to do that in comics. Um, and... Or at least certainly you didn't then. And when I was at my peak, when I was drawing my 
very best and my very fastest, I could sometimes get into this zone where I just knew how to draw a person right no matter what. It would just flow out of me like I barely had to think about it, like I almost couldn't draw fast enough. It would just create these shapes and it was a person and it was alive and it had this energy. And that was like those moments when they happened, those were the times when I could draw well and fast. And that was great. And I, I did a lot of that when I was doing concept art for other, for video games, for Aeon, uh, sorry, for, um, oh my God, why am I blanking on the name? of a, a game called Anachronox. Um, a few, there's other concept art you might see that, that does it uh, in my, on my website. But that zone was so hard to hold on to. And if I didn't fall into that zone, it was just really painstaking making a face look right, making an arm look right. Um, and, and it was a slow, methodical... My drawing was always a slow, methodical process. And I was always, and to this day, I'm jealous of the artists who can just dash stuff off. They just, it's like the pen is a part of them, and they just, woof, a few scribbles. I went to a Comic-Con in 1991 or 92 and mobius autographed uh, oh. the airtight garage for me and he Ooh. was a drawing in every book for every person wow he took eight seconds it's like 12 lines and it's magnificent yeah it sounds like mobius yeah <laughs> and in the end that was the big a big reason why I I left illustration as a career. Uh, I, I loved it, but I wasn't fast enough to be able to go to the places I wanted to go with it. Um, and maybe that would have changed if I'd stuck with it, but uh, it, I wouldn't have been able to make rent uh, yeah. in the intervening years. Yeah, as a grown-up. Yeah, and... I, I can see that. And being um, a teenager, I tried to get into art, and I think, and I, I don't know if this is true for all artists, but for me, the biggest critic was myself, um, because you're always sitting there looking at someone else and being like, wow, how did they do that? I could never get to that level. Um, and there's always that voice inside your head that, you know, you, you compare yourself to these other artists and they're at a different level right like something like for you like you picked it up in two mm -hmm. years and and improved your skill but people who are starting off will always like oh man i don't think i could ever get to that level um but it sounds like you kind of went past that and achieved it through just doing a piece of art every day and improving your craft which i found well that is inspiring the thing it, it takes time it, it it's like it's like music, learning to play an instrument. Yep. Uh, if, if you've got the innate talent, and not everybody does, but a lot of people do, um, if you've got the ability to kind of to look at a thing and use, a use lines to make something that looks like that on a computer or on a piece of paper, then all it is is practice. And, and yeah, I just, I drew all day, every day for years and years and years. 
but even that said, then like, I mean, I'm, I never considered myself a great artist. I considered myself a good artist, maybe even very good, but there were always people that I would look at, like Mobius, for example, Jeff Darrow, where I'm like, I am nothing compared to them. Well, I mean, I love Jeff Darrow. Don't get me wrong. But uh, sometimes there's so much detail that it, it hurts the overall piece, if that makes any sense. And, oh, uh, his, his stuff and, is very specific. <laughs> and some of his... Uh, some of his people, uh, they the faces come across a little flat because he's focused on everything else. Yeah. So, I mean, his, everybody's... amazing, though, is his gimpiest person looks as good as... Like, it's it looks better than, like, half of my people. So, I mean, I think your people look great, but that's oh. me. Uh, I, I can see where you would self-criticize on that. Um, but I don't, I don't find any flaws in your art. And I understand that, you know, one of your pieces may, may take longer than would feasibly, you know, make you money, especially trying to start out uh, with a new project, as it were, like a comic book or something like that. But, I mean, like I said, I would have bought anything you put out. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you. It, it's, it's funny when you talk about not noticing any of the flaws, it reminds you of something that it, I actually learned many years ago that was kind of like the... The only way to be successful in an art form is to be in... You have to be in a very specific place for how critical you are of your own work. And if you're not able to spot the flaws, you're, uh, you can't get better. So you just keep making the same drawing or playing the, the guitar the same way or whatever. But on the flip side, if you see too many of the flaws you get disheartened and you give up. Yeah. So everybody who's made it uh, to any level of skill and success, they all were in a zone where they were critical enough to drive themselves to keep getting better and keep trying to improve, but not so critical that they were like, this is impossible. <laughs> I suck. Yeah. Not breaking their own hearts. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I I saw saw artists who were very talented give up because they were just like it's never good enough. I hate I hate my drawings; they're not good, and and so they just stopped drawing. And it's like, my God, if you'd kept drawing, you would be one of the best artists around. Yes, some people have said that about me, and I was like, yeah. But I also had a brother who was a. But you you can't unsee the flaws either. Yeah, it's like if you see them, you see them. And also, my brother was also a good artist. We had definitely had two different styles, but I always envied his style, right? And that's not—it's not a good mixture. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so um, <clears throat> we got about another thirty minutes. So uh, the last question we actually have written, um, and I don't know if you want to comment on this, but. Um, what is your kind of viewpoints of this whole AI debate with art in the art community? 
Um, do you see it as like a tool going forward or do you see it as uh, kind of like something that's going to like destroy everything and all artists? I don't know how to feel about AI. It's going to destroy a lot. It um, is. It's like the fact is people are now putting out game. I mean, and the the A art AI art is I, I have never seen a piece of A art AI art that is a masterpiece. They can't no. hit that quality bar. But I've seen tons that looks good. Um but yeah, people are already putting out game books with AI AI art. Um so that's artists out of work. Right. Straight up. Uh, yeah, I mean I've seen comic books come out with AI art. Mm. and it's just like awful it's not consistent it's uh it's definitely putting not only is it putting artists out of work but it's actively stealing from those artists to create whatever amalgam you end up with and that's that's not cool yeah it's these weird these this franken art um and it's it but it's it's tough like i this project with the city that I was working on, um, the uh, a guy who uh, whose project it was, he actually used uh, a couple of specialists whose whole new career is generating AI art uh, to get us just like tons and tons and tons of concept art for all kinds of locations in this city because I couldn't churn out art at that speed yeah. and yeah, no and it was it was tough because like i i felt kind of gross about it and nothing was like oh we could just build 3d models of this square and these buildings that's going to be great everything was flawed but there were great ideas all through it yeah. here and where they originally came from, what artists work did they originally riff from? Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, so we'd kind of go through and be like, okay, this part of this building's good. I like the way this street works. This is a nice causeway. And so we could pick and choose parts we liked. Right. Um, I mean, so that was useful. The, but... the only, the only stopgap, uh, it seems that I'm, uh, the only stopgap it seems is that none of this AI art can can be copyrighted because it's all stolen pieces from from all over the place. If that so, holds legally, and hopefully, yeah, if that holds legally, and it should, uh, in any sane system, it would. Um, but that's really the the only stopgap I'm seeing with AI art. Uh, yeah, just well, taking over everything. I. I heard something recently i can't remember who, who whether i read it or heard it but it was someone saying that uh whenever they look at a when they look at art they can always see a point of view art every piece of art has a point of view the yeah. artist has put into that piece and when he looks at a ai art there's no point of view and I thought it was a good way of kind of putting how, like, there is, 
even in some of the most beautiful looking AI art I've seen, there's something weirdly soulless about it. Yeah. I, that's uh, that's a good way to put that. It's it's very but, much lacking in a focal point, a, a any type of unified like it just doesn't feel like somebody created it. It yeah. feels artificial. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess the, the best way to put it, comparing it with, because you were talking about like those drawings that I have with the deep background with so much going on, and everything going on comes from the same point of view and is all yeah. fit together. All the 20, 30 people in that crowd and every street sign. It's, it's, it's all, all one perspective. Yeah. And, and certainly AI art does not do that. One corner of an AI painting doesn't necessarily match another corner um, they look no. pretty together but they're not but where ai is hitting me direct more directly in career now is actually in visual effects mm. they've been making leaps and bounds in the last six months in it and it is going to eliminate 75 percent of visual effects jobs yeah, it's it's tragic. I mean, it's getting to the point where it's going to eliminate all the jobs. Well, yeah, um, yeah. At that point, it's just going to be the only jobs will be be a corporate exec and or being a chef for a corporate exec. Um, but but no, in, in seriousness, it's like I mean, the the tough thing in visual effects is it is in visual effects. It's displacing going to displace jobs, but it's not stealing in the same way. That that isn't really the problem. Um, and it's not necessarily a problem, except that I make money doing visual effects a lot. But like, uh, AI is not going to do cool ass laser beams or a weird effect with like gravity, some sort of a gravity sphere or like big sci-fi stuff. AI is never going to do. AI yeah, it's is never going to be able to innovate. It's never going to be able to show us something new. Yeah, it's not going to be able to create the graphical displays on the Enterprise. Um, but what it does, what it, it's just starting to be able to do badly now and is going to be able to do fantastically inside of a year is remove boom lights, change the color of the sky or the cloud patterns in the sky, move a yeah. car, change the color of a car, all of those sorts of re remove reflections of the crew from mirrors. That's the sort of work. It's not glamorous. <clears throat> But it's the bulk of visual effects paid jobs. Right. And and one person good with the AI tools will now be able to crank that stuff out uh, at a rate that would have taken ten artists. Yeah, and yeah. I think I mean it, it's 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 moving even faster than the progression from uh uh like VFX kind of in a lot of ways um eliminated practical effects. Or at least, like, lessened them by quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and and now AI is going to do the same thing to VFX. And just as they're truly getting fantastic. Well, yeah. the, well uh, the worst I example... I think in the end... Sorry. The, the worst example I oh. saw was there was... Um, and I forget which game supplement it was that just recently came out within the past six months. Um... I saw a debate from, I've, and, not, and again, I don't remember if it was on Discord or Reddit or somewhere. 
in which the one of the users was saying, I can't believe they used all this AI art. And I was like, how do you know it's AI art? Well, because it looks exactly like all this other AI art that people have put out. Well, how do you know it's not the artist mm. <laughs> that AI stole from that now is you're considering yeah. AI art because the AI stole it made it its own well kind of made it its own and you were only getting exposed to that style of art because you went to you, you seeing all this ai art and you just make the assumption so even that like mm. to the, your point of stealing it now people are saying well this artist stole it from ai you know when the reality is no the ai really stole it from me and now it's so widely used mm -hmm. especially like um, cyberpunk AI art. Uh, if you go onto like any of the discords or reddits, it's all kind of the same kind of look of this purple pink shading, um, and very similar, mm. which people are always suing. Oh, well, that's AI art. Well, no, <laughs> there was an artist who did for me, that like the main, the main giveaway is with the AR, AI art, none of the tech makes any sense. Like at first glance, it may look cool, but if you look deeper and try to make any sense of what's happening, like there, there's nothing to be had. It's, yeah, there, there's there's no ground rules underneath. There's no story behind yeah. it. And uh, like, yeah, it's, it's the antithesis of my art. Yeah, there, there, just nothing does anything. It's yeah. just there. Uh yeah, even that just, and, you know, everybody having like 12 fingers on their hand and stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, mean, I am glad to know that even computers find hands impossible to draw. So. <laughs> hands are not easy. Hands are not easy. Um, I, I got good at them, but it took a long time. Feet still give me trouble. Yeah, I mean, they're just such weird shapes and they do weird things. But here's the point. It, or here's the thing if rob liefeld can make it anybody can <laughs> I'm, I'm never not gonna dig on rob sorry he's a nice enough guy but <laughs> he he isn't on my list of all-time favorite comic book artists but that's fine yeah uh, but uh, i i was gonna say the the last thing i would say about ai is here's where i think it's going to end because i'm Seeing a lot of things that remind me of, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the desktop publishing revolution. Oh, yeah. I definitely remember that. Yeah. So, because that's the thing. And it's like the tools came out, suddenly anybody with a computer could do their own pub printing and publishing and make their own flyers and make their own menus and make their own books and they all and their own posters. And they were all like, we don't need to hire artists anymore i'll just get my grandson to do it for me and it all uh, <laughs> and there was there was a few years there where you were if you were not a great graphic artist grandma with the computer was now better than you and you lost your job yeah but, yeah there was a there was a whole generation of like the worst graphic design imaginable because nobody wanted to pay anybody who knew what they were doing. Yeah. So, and that was a rough stretch. Um, but at the end of the day, basically 
it's settled down to a place where really talented professionals were still the best place to go. Uh, And they kept working. They never stopped working. But it basically got rid of the lowest level of the jobs. The shitty jobs that paid garbage vanished. And the shitty graphic designers... More clean. Yeah. Um, And so my hope is that's where AI is going to end. That... The powers that be all because people will just splew it over everything now and use AI solutions on everything. And a lot of them will fail and some of them will stick. But the ones that will stick will be the ones that are actually as good as a mediocre human. But nothing worse than that. Uh, And everybody who is better than mediocre will still have jobs. That that would probably be the best case scenario, yeah. Because I mean, it's it's the Pandora has opened the box, the cat's out of the bag. Like AI, AI art isn't going anywhere. Uh, but, but if if people can recognize the difference between this mass-produced soulless stuff, and it it eliminates you know some of that bottom tier of of people who. I don't want to say lack the talent or lack the heart, but yeah, people, the, the people who shouldn't probably be doing that for a living in the first place while allowing the people who should be doing it, uh, uh, their space. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is certainly, that's the hope. Um, it's funny. The Go ahead. Oh, no, I was I was just gonna say, uh, my uh, my friend Zach Leposky, uh currently I believe working on he and Adam are directing the new Final Destination movie, um, but uh, uh-huh. he he was like when I talked to him about AI a couple months back, he was like, no, you're thinking about it all wrong. It's great, you know all those people you need to to hire to make a movie. You won't need to do that anymore. You can just <laughs> make your movie all on your. It'll be fantastic. Oh man, I don't he, know if he that's was, a... he was being being a little sarcastic, but I was going to say that's that's in in the days of the SAG after strikes. That's that's well, no, that was, <laughs> was pre strike. That was pre- oh my god, yeah. Okay, so this is going on regarding to make it very clear this was pre strike, and he was <laughs> he wasn't talking about. He's not a studio exec. He's a creative. Um, yeah, a yeah, no, I. But, but yeah, no, it's, um, I need to choose my words very carefully, or maybe you should make sure this, the rest of this doesn't, <laughs> this whole section goes out of a, any podcast recordings. Um, cause yeah, no, he just, just like me, he started out as just this young, excited, creative person who was into sci-fi and just wanted to tell stories and trying to do that for a living is so hard. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not going to get any judgment from me out of it. Huh? Yeah, I, but I mean, making my feature has been so hard, and it's taken so much work from so many people. And in the world of dreams, in some ways, wouldn't it be nice if I could just walk down to my computer, build my ideas, and see a film come out? That would be amazing. Yeah, as an artist. 
That would be amazing. Do I want a studio executive to have that power? No. Not no. No. Uh, I mean, artists are going to create art, and they're going to use the tools that are available to to them to do so. And I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like try and limit that. But yeah, studio executives, uh, the money men who have no real creative vision but want to stick their dirty fucking fingers in everything. Yeah, screw those guys. Well, I I prefer to be a little more polite to them because at the end of the day, some of them pay my paycheck. <laughs> yeah, <some no. laughs> um, yeah, you're 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 in the business. I I am not. I apologize. The the, the challenge there is simply that. They're not creatives. And whereas 20 years ago, all the studios were run by people who loved movies and were into it because they yeah. loved movies. Uh, everyone who runs the studios now went to business school. And they're yeah, business true. guys. And it's about payment. It's about making money. It's about uh, shareholder dividends. It's about all this kind of this artless business and that's challenging. Um, yeah, everything's everything's created by algorithm. Like, what what notes can we hit on this to to bring in just a maximum number of paying moviegoers? They thankfully haven't quite gotten that bad, but uh, but who knows? Who knows? Certainly, it's it was a lot easier uh, back when the people who paid to make movies also loved movies truth uh and 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 when they really cared about the awards too like because a lot of for a lot of them as as businesses it's like yeah i still need to make more like 10 more million dollars than that studio this year uh but uh at least we got an oscar for this thing there were always a few things that they'd be because of, because of the love of, of movies, there'd still be like, yeah, they didn't just want to say we made X dollars this year, aren't I great? They wanted to be able to say, we did this movie that won 10 Academy Awards and this movie that won five Academy Awards. And, well, I mean, even, even in the most, even in the largest studios with the most heavily criticized works, uh like franchises and whatnot there are still like some beacons of hope of this level of creativity uh dave filoni on his star wars projects jesus christ that's he's creating the star wars that i've wanted to see since 1983 so yeah i uh, i, I had some, some issues with some of his stuff but overall yeah well, yeah, I mean, there's all, you're going to be able to criticize everything that you love. There's going to be certain aspects that are like, man, I wish they'd done it differently. But uh, overall, I've, I've loved everything he's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, there's, there's lots of... There are so many talented, creative people out there working hard every day, uh, making great stuff. Um, I, I do want to... Um, circle circle back and just kind of really clear like like yeah to go go back to just like the zach's thing and just the idea of like being able to make a movie on your own and and that being kind of a pie in the sky dream because what's interesting is when i think about it give it a little more thought afterwards like that that dream scenario does appeal to the little kid inside me but oh absolutely that it forgets 
is working with actors is amazing. Working with a group of people is amazing. When you've got the right group of people and they're all talented and everybody's bringing a different point of view and everybody's bringing new ideas, the richness and stuff. Like if I got to make a version, make a movie once with just me and a computer and make the same movie with a crew and a big creative team and a lot of talented actors, that version is going to be way better. Hands down. I mean, it's the truth. Uh, uh, like, here's the deal. A bad movie made by people who love it is still going to be better than a good movie. Like a well-directed, well, well-written, well-shot, but made with people who can't stand it. Don't really care. I mean, the best examples I can give of this are like the low-budget horror movies of the 80s. Mm -hmm. They're they're awful movies, but Jesus Christ, they're fantastic to watch. Things like Toxic Avenger, I mean, low-budget as hell in just silly-ass plots, but everybody involved in those early trauma films loved it. They were passionate about it. And We're it not made entertained. <laughs> exactly. Um, and if if you get a bunch of people who aren't into it, you you get stuff like the the twelfth Friday the Thirteenth movie, which mm. just nobody cares about. Nobody remembers that crap. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, so passion passion makes the art like. Oh, You've oh, got to be excited about what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We're about almost at time, so I guess the last question is, do you have any questions for us? Um, I don't know little voices coming out of my computer. <laughs> <laughs> well, and obviously, I guess... <clears throat> You guys are both obviously people who really love these games. Yeah. Which is great because yeah, yeah, you, you can I, say that. We never really talked about Cyberpunk 2077, which I freaking loved. Uh, I thought it got a lot of bad press at the start that was unfair. Uh, 100% agree. Like, it, it, yes, it was garbage on the, X, the, the Xbox, but uh, I, I'm a PC gamer and even right out of right out of the gate it performed decently enough looked gorgeous and that that game has some of the best storytelling uh and oh it's in my top three of all time experienced in a game yep like cyberpunk 2077 story-wise is up there with red dead redemption 2 and the last of us like it is such a phenomenal story yeah um and and well told um, I've just started yeah. playing Starfield and I'm immediately dis- disappointed with it because I feel like all of the new things that Cyberpunk 2077 brought to video game RPGs are just left in the dust and it's back to like you're sitting in cars talking to characters in Cyberpunk 2077 and if they feel like real characters. Yeah. They're, they're real people. I mean, Jesus Christ, they look like real people. Yeah, I mean it's it's still a little uncanny valley, but they're they're people, they're characters, they're alive. Yeah. And 
And back to in Starfield, it's right back to a staring contest with mannequins. It's like, oh my god, have you guys yes, learned nothing? As gorgeous as it is, it's still Bethesda. Yeah, and I, I'm a I I a longtime lover of Bethesda games. The Fallout series oh, is my all-time favorite game series. But uh, but man, like with the number of years it took them to put that game out. I was really surprised at how few mechanics had been improved. It's still using uh, janky old animations from Skyrim for like running and jumping and stuff. And the sitting That's... animation, the sitting pose is the same. Like, what? In, in my opinion, that's because it's primarily programmed, like the, the Bethesda game engine is primarily programmed to be done in first person perspective. And anytime you do that, like, if. It, it, the character movements just look weird and stiff and because you can be looking in one direction and running full speed in another, it just looks weird as hell. Yeah. yeah that, well, yeah, that's, that's a special issue trying to deal, deal with that. I mean, yeah, they, they use a different model for your POV for first person and third person, uh, which cyberpunk didn't do. Um, you can square that circle, though. Um, I just, even though it's a game that's a few years old, I just finished playing Control recently. And when I got an RTX, a new RTX card in and enabled all the reflections, holy crap, that game <laughs> actually, I mean, it's all third person, but, like, you see your reflections in mirrors and, in, and reflecting in windows, and it looks believable, and the animation all works. Yeah. There's got to be a way to square that circle. Yeah. Um, I mean, GTA, uh, GTA Online, you can switch. Like, it's it, it's programmed in third person, but you can switch to first person. You can always tell who's running around in first person because that's the way yeah. games work. I, I really but, uh, hate Yeah, to, it's uh, gotten to the point with ray tracing and all that. You can see reflections and it's amazing uh, yeah. really... but at the same time like it really pulls it back in like starfield where it's still using the same crappy old animation that the yeah. artist did 15 years ago that's I... like just do some new animations uh i hate to be that guy but we are technically at time um and it sounds like we could probably have another hour conversation around uh cyberpunk 27 probably couldn't take it so and, and the game um Mike, yeah we'd love to have you back about 27 yeah we'd love to have you back and maybe continue this conversation after phantom liberty drops um we we will try to work with your schedule figure out something if you're if you're interested um and continue this sure. conversation because we we'd love to have you back uh but yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you, along with several other of our guests, now have an open invitation to join us whenever you like. Uh, Any time that your schedule opens up and you want to talk about cyberpunk in a public forum, you just let us know and we'll add you to the show. Yep. And well, we'll schedule right. Thank you on. so much. So, um, thank you. Yeah. So first off, I would like to th Thank you for joining us. Um, it was great talking to you. I, I, Absolutely. Again, big fans of your art. Um, I didn't realize how much Battletech you did. Um, I was a big fan of Battletech, and I'm like looking at your pieces, and we're like, wow, um, he did that? So it, it's definitely a <laughs> pleasure for me to uh, have this conversation with you. Uh, so we know 
DeviantArts, um, Steam Powered Mike J. You can find them there. You also have uh, steampoweredfilms.com. Any other places that people can come and check you out? Uh, I think probably DeviantArt is the best one right now. Uh, So I guess I better start checking my messages there. (laughs) Hopefully. Uh, Uh, He's also on Facebook at Steam Powered Films there. Yep. Uh, just to throw that out there. Um, yeah. yeah, thank you, Mike, so much for showing up. Gen- yeah. uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Jackson. Yeah. Um, and Mike, if you need to... It's been just fantastic talking. Take off, you can, um, but we're just going to close the show. If you want to still hang out and we'll talk a little bit after the show, you know, it's up to you. But we, sure. we... I'm, I'm going to mute my mic while I get a glass of water. Excellent. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right. All right. Thank you for listening, folks. Uh, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for uh, attending tonight. Um, I thought that was a great show from a great person. Um, so, all right. I'm Indeed. Cyber Smiley. Uh, you can check me out at uh, cybersmiley.net. That's without uh, an E at the end of the s- smiley. Um, I also have a, a Discord uh, that's linked into from my site. I'm also on various other discords. So if you do like at Smiley or at Cyber Smiley, good chance I, I will be <coughs> be targeting. Um, also, I roam on the various Reddits that are out there for Cyberpunk, whether it's 2020, Red, or even uh, some of the 2077 uh, Discord servers, as well as uh, the Reddit places. Wisdom? I am Wisdom, otherwise uh, Wisdom Triple Zero, otherwise known as Derek Bernier. I run Data Fortress 2020 and have since 1996. It is the largest, most comprehensive Cyberpunk 2020 site you'll find. Uh, I am available on Facebook, both at the Data Fortress 2020 group and the Cyberpunk 2020 group. I uh, lurk at the Cyberpunk 2020 and Red and 2077 and other groups on Reddit. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Instagram. It's just too much work. Um, but yeah, anything you guys want to reach out and get a hold of us for comments, criticism, complaints, suggestions, uh, please do so. We love hearing from you. Uh, thank you everybody for joining us today. Um, like that. We are, we'd like to thank, uh, Rob Mulligan and cyber nation uncensored for hosting us. Yep. Uh, we have shows every first and third Wednesday of the month. And you can find us, you can find our old shows on the Tales from the Forlorn Dopes uh, playlist on the Cyber Nation Uncensored YouTube channel. And also uh, Cyber Nation Uncensored has Yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank well. you, Mike Jackson, for uh, talking with us today. And see you next time. Absolutely. You guys have a great night. Thank you.